um, 50 years ago, there was a 22-year-old lady who lived in Croydon. She'd grown up there, but she'd been to music college in London where she'd become a Christian and given her life to Jesus. And then she had a real burden for mission and doing what God wanted uh, and wanted to serve the Lord. And uh, God took her to Hong Kong, from Croydon to Hong Kong. And there she found herself helping uh, the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the poor in the walled city of Hong Kong. And she started to see Jesus breaking into their lives them coming to faith and strongholds being broken, uh, addictions being lifted and people's lives being transformed in that place. And if you read her book, Chasing the Dragon, Jackie Pullinger says that one of the things that really she noted seemed to catalyze a growth in the breakthroughs in people's lives was this decision she took to pray in tongues for 15 minutes a day. And you can read about it. Now, this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, do look it up. Uh, It's helpful to have it in front of you. We're going to skip around a little bit around it. Uh, It will be in the notes as well, so you won't be bereft. Uh, And uh, we're going to be reading from verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, says Paul, who wrote this, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Holy Spirit, we also pray that you'll teach us some things from these few verses. And Holy Spirit, as you've already reminded us today, I pray that we would receive something from you today that will glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm encouraged, I'm confident about speaking from this passage today for a number of reasons. Uh, Firstly, it gives me an opportunity to do a part two uh, to the armor of God, which I looked at back in July, because this is is a passage that closely follows it. Secondly, there I was at crisscross for a week with the young people, with the children, and Doug Hawley, who came as a visiting speaker, every day spoke on this passage to the children. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting God to speak to us as well. And also, some of the things I'm going to look at today do keep in the flow of what some of us experienced at Ashburnham. And uh, with that hindsight, I've got now added confidence that it was right for me to think about bringing this passage to us today. Let's look at verse 18. I find this verse really releasing, extremely releasing. It says this, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's peoples. You know, as Christians, we can pray whatever. We can. We can pray whenever. We can pray wherever. We can pray for whoever. With four alls, all occasions, all types, all ways, and all saints, all the Lord's people, the normal restrictions associated with prayer that other religions perhaps put on it, the special buildings, 
the special mantras, the special times of day, they're all stripped away. It's releasing. We can pray for anything, at any time, anywhere. See, the danger, though, with this passage is, I feel, that we can, some of us, get a bit overwhelmed with that. Oh, my. Oh, I've got to pray continuously for everybody all the time. Wow, you take on the burden of that. For others, perhaps, the other danger is to be a bit over-casual about prayer. Ah, I can pray whenever. I'll pray when I feel like it. Oh, I'll pray as I go, as things pop up. And we can get a little bit over-casual with prayer. Well, what's the counterbalance? I think it's in there right at the beginning of the sentence. The one stipulation, the one thing you must do when it comes to prayer is to pray in the Holy Spirit. Paul's emphasizing that. Don't skip over it. Paul didn't write, oh, um, and pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. He didn't say that. He said, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all types of prayers. See, prayer in the Spirit is the real thing, is what we're going for, is what the New Testament talks about in relation to prayer. You see, prayer in the Spirit, I don't believe, is automatic, even for us who are believers, even for us who have experienced things of the Holy Spirit, it's not automatic. There wouldn't be this extra prompt or reminder in there, I don't think, if there was. This is not just Paul giving some theological explanation about prayer. Let me explain to you just what's going on when you're praying. You're, you're praying in the Spirit. No, it's, it's a practical instruction. Pray in the Spirit. In the earlier part of Ephesians, you can flick to it if you want, chapter 2, verse 18, there's this great summary statement about what it is to be in relationship with God through Christ, through faith in him. It says this, for through him, talking about Jesus, we, we both, you and I, have access to the Father, God the Father, by one spirit. So when we pray, the whole trinity is involved. Wow. You haven't got your head around a trinity yet, it's three in one Godhead, yet you can come into something of his relationship with himself, with the persons of the Godhead. You can participate with him in prayer. That's what it is if you're praying in the Spirit. Otherwise, you're balancing on a two-legged stool. You may be coming to the Father well enough. You may be uh, coming through faith in Christ, but where's the Spirit? It, it elevates our prayer into the holy and reflecting on this, I have been doing over the last couple of months, I do feel the Lord has rebuked me very gently, as he does, but a rebuke nonetheless. Tim says, it's not so much how much you pray, but son, it's, it's how much of your prayer is in the Spirit. Tim, it's not how much you pray. There's me, look at me, I'm praying, I'm praying. Lord, I'm not praying, I'm praying a lot, Lord. No, it's not how much you pray, son. It's how much of your prayer is in the spirit. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's me. That's my personal journey. It might not be you, but that's where I, I felt the Lord points gently in his gracious way. You see, what, what are we praying in if we're not praying in the spirit? Well, well maybe we're praying in the law. Well, I'm dead to the law. I, I'm dead to the law I, through faith in Christ. Yes, I know that, but we still sometimes have this tendency, oh, I like some rules. I like some regulation. I'll pray at that time of the day. I'll pray for that long on those topics. No, let's pray in the Spirit. Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit. Or, or I could be praying in the flesh. Oh, I'm dead to flesh as well. Yeah, I know, but still those, those biases are still hanging around sometimes. 
to lean on my own understanding. Oh, I know what to pray for here. Let me pray these things. Oh, I've prayed for this kind of thing before. Off we go. Praying in my own strength. Everything we do as believers is to be in the Spirit. Everything. To summarize the Ashburnham theme, perhaps, uh, for some of us who are there. Talks are available, by the way. They're online. Do look them up. We shouldn't be surprised by the emphasis on praying in the Spirit. We're to live in the Spirit. Back in the previous chapter in Ephesians 5, uh, we're exhorted to be careful then how you live. How, how are we to live? How, how can we be careful how to live? Well, don't get drunk on wine. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. Don't get drunk on wine or any kind of alcohol. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the instruction for life, not for just worship times. Not for just missional opportunities, no, for life. And then it goes on. It's interesting what topics come up next. It's always worth looking around uh, a verse that stands out to you. What comes next are some seemingly impossible high ideals for Christian marriage, for parenting, for honoring your parents and honoring your employer. Oh, wow, these are tough. Uh, uh, Yeah, but but they're, they're, they're possible. In the spirit. In the spirit. It's living in the spirit. Oh, because I'm meant to husband in the spirit. It's the only hope I've got of loving my wife like Christ loved the church. I'm meant to parent in the spirit. It's the only hope I've got if I'm going to bring up my children in the ways of the Lord and not exasperate them. That's what he says right here. If I'm going to be the, the employer or the boss, if I'm going to honor my parent, I, I need the spirit for this. I need the spirit for every part of life. See, This prayer theme that he suddenly clicks into in verse 18, it doesn't really perfectly fit with the armor of God illustration we looked at last time, which just precedes it. However, I would say there are some links, and we're meant to notice them. Firstly, in our version anyway, it starts, verse 18, with and. The word and is a linking word, is it not? Secondly, notice in verse 17 and 18, the spirit is mentioned in both. So at the end of the armor of God section, we're, we're taking up what? We're taking up the sword of the Spirit. And pray in the Spirit. You see, whether it's the Bible and the truth, whether it's prayer, the two key components for our discipleship in Christ, we need the Holy Spirit, even for that. What does praying in the Spirit look like? I'm going to touch on some themes. I'm sure this is not exhaustive, uh, although you might find it exhausting. Uh, No, um, I'm going to touch on five areas which I think are included in praying in the Spirit. And then we're going to look at one of them particularly. So firstly, I would say to you, tongues. You what? Tongues. That's a funny word. It is a funny word. It's a funny thing. Uh, it's It's in the Bible. And what is it referring to? It's referring to the supernatural ability to speak in an unlearned language given by the Holy Spirit. Oh, right. One of those. Yeah. I wish I'd known it just before my GCSE German exam, because uh, I didn't do too well in that. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14 a little bit later, maybe for homework that's somewhere to go to, because uh, a lot about the gift of tongues from the Holy Spirit in that passage. But suffice to say for now... I'm sure that's what Paul had in mind, at least in part, when he wrote Ephesians, pray in the Spirit. The same type of language, we'll see it in 1 Corinthians 14, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. The same type of phraseology is used here and there. So it's definitely part of the mix for praying in the Spirit. 
Secondly, you're trying to anticipate now, aren't you? But you've got the paper, so there you go. No prizes. Groans. Groans? Groans. Yeah, there's a groan over there. Yeah. Like, no, not that bad joke groan. No, not one of those. Groans. Romans 8 is another wonderful chapter in the Bible all about life in the Spirit, and surprisingly includes a really big chunk all about groaning. Not moaning. That's something else. Yeah. Some of you are quite good at that. But groaning. Groaning. In the, what? Really? Of all the things, groaning. We're told the whole of creation is groaning. Longing for restoration. Physically, this, this, this world has been upset by the fall. And there's, there's things wrong. And we see natural disasters and, and hazards all around. And there's this longing even in the creation, in the inanimate stuff of, of, of desperate restoration. Longing for it, hoping for it to come on Jesus' return. And it's the same for us as believers. It says in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit himself intercedes or prays for us, believers, through wordless groans. Have you experienced those things in the Spirit? A bit odd, isn't it? You thought tongues was odd. Well, we're getting to groaning now. But it's something that the Spirit does in us that it's not of our emotion, but it, it is him giving us this ache, this longing, this hope for things to be different, and they will be on Christ's return. Passion would be a third aspect of praying in the Spirit, I believe, another hallmark of it. You know, Jesus, when he prayed, he certainly wasn't dull or dreary or quiet or formal in his prayer life. He really wasn't because he was praying in the Spirit. We, we get the account of the Spirit coming upon him. We, we keep getting references to Jesus doing things in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And his prayer was in the Spirit. He modeled in the Spirit prayer life. And his passion is evidence in all sorts of ways. There were times when he would pray all night. There would be times when he would get up early to pray. You might think, is that because he's got a really good alarm clock? I don't think so. Is that, be, is that maybe he's insomniac? Maybe he doesn't sleep very well? I don't think so. Maybe he only needs three hours sleep. I mean, I mean like, like Margaret Thatcher, you know, maybe he only needs a few hours sleep. I mean, he is God. No, I don't think that's it. Maybe it was his passion for prayer. Maybe it was his passion for prayer in the evening before. So he went to bed a little bit earlier, sometimes. I don't think, in that sense, he was modeling anything uh, out of the ordinary for us. But he had a passion for prayer. He had a passion for prayer. You see it when you, you get script of what he prayed for, like in John 17. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. He had a passion. Just read his words. The writer to Hebrews summed up Jesus' prayer life. He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and with tears. Praying in the Spirit is emotional. Because you're necessarily emotional, but you are. You're in the image of God. But the Holy Spirit is emotional. God feels things. And he wants you to feel something of his heart. And he wants you to connect with the things you might want to be praying for that are aching for God's return, for Jesus' return. Fourthly, words. Oh, phew, we're on home turf here. Words, the Holy Spirit. He does want us to pray consciously, yeah, in our own language. He wants our minds to be active and fruitful. He's given us thinking. He wants us to use it. 
But remember, even when Jesus taught us to pray with some structure, with some stimulus of the Lord's Prayer, he said, don't go waffling on. Don't go babbling like the pagans. You know, be careful over your words. Don't just go for it. No, no, in the Spirit. Find the words. We're to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, in the heart of the Lord's Prayer. I think I'm going to need the Holy Spirit if I'm going to find out what's going on in heaven, if I'm going to pray into being on earth. I need the Holy Spirit for this. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe you, you can hear me in my prayers because I'm, you know, I pray in public. That's okay. So you can pick over how I do it. But I know myself a little bit. I know I have a tendency to be a thoughtful prayer and let's try a bit of eloquence. Maybe there's a bit of Boris Johnson in me, in my bluster and bombast. I don't know. But sometimes I like to be flowery, shall we say, descriptive. Find new adjectives to pray. Uh, maybe it's just to keep me awake. I don't know. Uh, but I often start there, don't I? And uh, but I, I just wonder, as I press in, as I seek more of the Holy Spirit, oh, help me. I don't really know what I'm praying for here. <laughs> uh, maybe it's the simple thing. Maybe it was that spontaneous thing. Maybe it was just the longing and expression of it. Maybe that was praying in the Spirit. And I've got to talk about hearing, briefly at least. We could pick this up as a topic another day, I'm sure. But we do know that Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. It's a relationship that's dynamic and living and organic and fresh with our living God. And so prayer, surely, is to be a dialogue. It's not a monologue. There I'm done, amen. It isn't like a full stop. I've had my peace. You know, it's, 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 it's conversation with God. People might say, oh, how does God speak to me today? Well, all sorts of ways. Angels, visions, dreams, prophetic revelations. Oh, and in praying in the Spirit, by the way. All the time. Most often would be my experience. It's when I'm praying. I'm hearing God. I'm seeking for guidance. Oh, he's, he's suggesting. He's, he's giving me a way forward. He's speaking, he's revealing mysteries, insights, understanding about myself, about him, about the situations or on my heart. So hearing has got to be an integral part of praying in the Spirit. But I want to focus on praying in tongues uh, for the rest of this morning. And I have to admit, and if you're a non-Christian here today, you will definitely agree that tongues is weird. It's a little bit strange. It's odd. Um, but I would suggest to you particularly if you're looking in on us and on Christianity and the things of the Spirit, that, well, if our claim that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive today, 2,000 years later, um, and speaks and does amazing things, then maybe it's not such a stretch of the imagination, if that's all true, that he might do some other supernatural things in us or through us kind of reasonable. It flows. But I want to suggest to you some reasons why we should be pursuing the gift of tongues. Uh, you might already be fully convinced, which is fine. Uh, you might be half convinced. Well, maybe some of these things will add to your conviction, and I trust will galvanize us all to press in to all that God has for us by way of spiritual gifts. Firstly, I think tongues is more important than we often think. 
we can often think that, that maybe the gift of tongues, out of all the gifts of the Spirit, healing and miracles and prophecy and words of knowledge and insight, uh, maybe, maybe the gift of tongues was, was, is the lowest one. Maybe, as Terry Virgo put it at Ashburnham, it just fell out of Jesus' pocket as he was giving the other gifts. Oh, well, you might as well have that as well, you know. Add it on in his uh, benevolent way. But no, we're told to eagerly desire the spiritual gift. There's no caveat about excluding anything. Yes, maybe especially prophecy, but don't exclude speaking in tongues. As was highlighted again at Ashburnham, being open to the Holy Spirit, theologically or maybe even experientially, isn't enough. Well, I'm open to the Holy Spirit. We're a church that's open to the Holy Spirit. Really? Great. That's a start, but it's not enough. Now, we're to pursue. We're to eagerly desire. We're to actively receive, as been reminded this morning. We're to then actively fan into flame those gifts that Jesus has given us. Because, well, if Jesus has gone to the lengths of dying for us in our place, taking the weight of sin on his shoulders, of receiving the full wrath of God for all of our error. If he's done that to secure all these amazing things, eternal life, forgiveness from sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural gifts, the gifts of tongues, if he's done all of that so he can gift us with these things, then who are we to relegate the gift of tongues? Well, that's a little bit over the top, a bit superfluous. Thanks, Jesus. No, thanks. I, I mean... I have to note also that tongues was the first supernatural gift that the disciples received at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. It's the first one. You might say, well, that was a one-off. There was some, a unique moment in that. Uh, maybe God had to tick off the list of prophecies that had to be fulfilled. Job done, off we go. Let's deal with the rest of it. But lo and behold, you read through the book of Acts, again in Caesarea, again in Ephesus, the pattern was the same. Tongues was the first gift they received. Paul was adamant, even though he was bringing some correction to the crazy charismatics at Corinth about their error in using spiritual gifts, he said, no, no, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Talking about his private prayer life. And lastly, I'd say tongues is unique. Yes, I'll give you that. But for that reason, it's, it's a special gift. Because none, none of the other spiritual gifts quite do what tongues do. The others are to bless others. So in a sense, you know, distribute them as you will, Lord. But tongues is different. And there's nothing like it. So it has a particular role in our walk and life. So firstly, that's that one. Number two, it will do you good. I went to the dentist the other week, as I do every now and then. New dentist I get, because I'm on NHS, and they seem to have a new one every year. But the same old questions... Uh, so, Mr. Mayton, yeah, he's, he's fiddling around in my mouth. This is me being a dentist, by the way, fiddling around. Um, Mr. Mayton, uh, how often do you brush your teeth? <laughs> yes, because that's what you can do. Um, Mr. Mayton, how often do you floor? <laughs> okay, well, Mr. Mayton, you need to do that a bit more than you were. I know I've been told this message by the dentist for the last 25 years. I should know by now they're going to ask me these things. Um, because he's the expert, I guess. Likewise, this is what God says. 1 Corinthians 14.4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Jude agrees. He says praying in the Spirit and building oneself up in God kind of go together. There's a link 
between the two. So it's echoed in scripture. I don't know how it works. How does speaking in a foolish language I don't understand, well, it's not foolish, maybe in my eyes it is, how does that do me any good at all? I can be speaking in tongues for five minutes, I walk away, am I any different? I don't know. I don't feel it. I'm not aware of anything different. But, but, but the scripture says, at least in two places, it will do you good. It will build you up. It will strengthen. I need these things. I need building up. I need strength. I need edifying. It's a mystery, yeah. We might not even be aware how it's working, but I've got to believe it. I was reading about David's life earlier in the week, and um, in 1 Samuel 30, we find David in a really low point. Uh, he's obviously living on the run in fear of his life from King Saul. He's in another nation, just should keep right out of the way. But not only that, his family and possessions are all stolen. They're ransacked from him. Goes back with his men to the town, and it's all gone. And not only that, his men now are turning a bit mutinous against him. And there's this little buried away phrase that says, David found strength in the Lord his God. And then he went on, and things turned around for him. I would suggest to you that we too can find strength in God in the darkest of times. We've had reference to a number of dark times by praying in tongues. It's one of the ways that strength arises within us. I'll add also that tongues develops faith and humility and dependence. This is my thinking. I'm just trying to rationalize. Lord, how can this be doing me good? Well, I think something it is doing is, is tumbling down doubt and letting faith arise. Because I'm, I'm doing this in faith. Because I've read about it. And there's no reason why it's not for today. And I've looked at all the arguments. I've looked at the counter arguments. No, it's for today. It's for now. It's for us. And so I'm doing it in faith. I'm killing doubt. I'm doing it to grow humility, and, and it's pummeling pride. Because I don't understand this, Lord. This sounds nonsense to me. I'm pummeling pride. I'm beating down self-reliance. I could come with all my thoughts. I've got loads of thoughts about what I could pray for here, but, Lord, I'm going to allow you to, to dictate the agenda. I'm going to depend on you and your wisdom and your understanding and your knowledge and not my own. Oh, I need that every day. It's still a process. But it does that, I believe, somehow. Thirdly, I'd say to you, uh, develop the gift of tongues, grow in it, because it's always worship. There are three consistent clues in that chapter I talked about, 1 Corinthians 14 earlier, that describe what praying in tongues is. It talks about it being Godward, verse 2. Anyone who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to people, but to God. It's praise. You are praising God in the Spirit, it says in verse 16 about tongues. It's thanksgiving. You are giving thanks. Again, talking about tongues. Well enough. I know you have to read the full sentence because Paul's trying to make a particular point, but don't miss what's implied about the gift. It's to God. It's praise. It's thanksgiving to him, which is why when we had a publicly brought tongue earlier, they were the hallmarks of the interpretation. They were to God. They were God would. Not, not like, a, like a prayer, although it's not a prayer, it's, it's to him. Unlike a prophecy, which is from him. It's why it was, it was, it was full of praise. It was full of thanksgiving. That, uh, that's what it should be. That's, that's, that, that's the thing. That's what it is. Yet it's, it's more than that. It contains something of a, of a revelation of, of God and who he is and our, our dealings 
his dealings with us, that lifts us, that lifts our gaze, that lifts our worship. Fourthly, I'd say to you that tongues is very effective in prayer. Because praying in tongues means you're fully aligned to God's will. Tongues is one way in which the Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray. Romans 8 says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. A couple of stories for you. I was pacing up and down a hospital corridor not so long ago because someone I knew was in the CT scanning room, and you can't stay in there unless you're having it. Uh, but there were screams and cries of pain, and they weren't able to proceed with it because of the pain of a cannula and the need for it to be flushed. They couldn't go ahead with it. What could I do? What's going on? We've been in A&E twice in the last eight days, still getting to the bottom of this sickness, this illness. It seems quite serious. What do we do? I don't know what's going on. I don't, I'm not a medic, even if I was. They seem puzzled. I, I don't know what the solution is. How, how, how is this flushing going to happen so that she we can have the CT scans, we can work out what's wrong so we can go forward. So what can I do? It's a moment to pray in tongues. What do you do? I don't know what to pray. I haven't got the energy to pray. I haven't got the words to pray. I can pray in tongues. And then as we went in and they said, no, we can't go ahead with this, another doctor came in, wasn't meant to be there, and put another cannula in. Third one of the day. But uh, very effortlessly. Oh, it can go now. It's not painful. We have a CT scan. Praise God. Like you, I heard the news of Chris, and it's shocking. I'm thinking, Lord, why, what, how, <laughs> what's this mean? Mum, oh, his, his mum, oh, his, his family, his, all the things he was involved in. What's going to happen to all those? What do you do? What do you do? How do you pray? Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues for half an hour. I don't know what I prayed, but the Holy Spirit knew what to do, what to pray through me in those moments. All those things, all those things that flooded in, the projects, the people. Pete Anderson from Edinburgh, who was one of the guest speakers at Ashburnham, he admitted to praying in tongues more than ever. And he said, by doing so, you will see more answers to prayer. You will see even answers to prayers you didn't know you prayed. What a fun adventure to go looking for answers to prayer you didn't even know you prayed. That's exciting. Walking through life with answers to prayer, like the waves of the Red Sea parting. Paul Cho, who uh, at least at one point was leading the, the largest church in the world in South Korea, one that wrote a fantastic book called uh, Prayer, the Key to Revival. He shares a story about a lady in his church, and she was going from her apartment to her life group. It mentioned already today, don't need to put an advert in, uh, and uh, she suddenly had this burden to pray. What do you do with that? I, I need to pray. But she didn't know what it was she was meant to pray about. But she just had this urgency. So she got on her knees on the pavement and started praying in tongues. And, and when the burden lifted and she was confident, no, no, God's heard this, she got on her way and went to life group. Maybe a couple of minutes late, but we'll forgive her. Um, and uh, not only did she report that life group went really well, very anointed time that evening, but when she got home, she found her flat had been burgled and would have broken in. And uh, she looked around in horror, and there were some, a few clothes strewn around on the floor, 
But all the valuables, all the money, all the jewellery, some of which was out, was untouched. She didn't lose anything of value as she was praying in the Spirit. A burglar's eyes were blinded to what he could have taken or she could have taken. Sometimes I come to God with my list. Always got lists, and some of it's a prayer list. And uh, sometimes I like to go through the headings of my prayers. I'll pray for this now in my mind and then pray in tongues. I like to think that maybe the Holy Spirit is praying for the thing I've got in the, in the list, on the, the heading. But I just wonder whether that's not always the case. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm praying in my mind quite broadly, big brush strokes, all the eloquence is gone, all the flowery stuff is gone, just praying a simple thing for this topic, and maybe the Holy Spirit's praying into that, or maybe he's chosen to pray for something else. But either way, two things are happening. Beautiful. Beautiful. See, praying in tongues enables you to multitask. I know some of you like to think that men can't multitask. But I, I've proven it. Um, because I can do that. Hey, oh, I've been pretty proud. Oh, no, I'm not quite getting it wrong. Hey, here we go, here we go, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, where was I? Um, I'll suggest none of you can multitask, actually. At best, maybe, ladies, you can juggle a few more balls than we can. But, you know, three in the air is not bad. Um, but multitasking is beyond us, I believe. But I'll say that on the map. Um, but you can pray in tongues and do something else. You can. That's efficient, isn't it? Uh, I tried it the other day. I was mowing the lawn. It's my next action. That's mowing the lawn. <laughs> mowing the lawn. Got a little mower. The mowing lawn. I was mowing the lawn. And you have to concentrate when you're mowing the lawn. Well, I have to, um, because um, I've got to dodge a few things. There's a few undulations. Uh, the lead, of course, it's not one of those, you know, it's plug-in one old-fashioned, make sure you don't go over that. Um, make sure the grass bucket doesn't overfill. There's a lot to cope with, actually. And then you have to, so otherwise the grass will be going everywhere. Um, uh, uh, but I could pray in tongues. It was wonderful. Not only that, but nobody could hear me because the mower was making a right old racket which is actually another advantage of doing it in those moments. You see, suddenly, any mundane task, hoovering, me hoovering, same action, really, but just one-handed, and uh, washing up, I won't do any more actions because my family are laughing at me. I do this at the, at the dining room table as well. Um, and driving, no, I'm doing it, aren't I? <laughs> driving, <laughs> driving, or weighing up the size of two pineapples. No, driving, that's a Tim Vine joke, I robbed it. Um, you can be praying in tongues, and you're not impairing your ability to drive. You shouldn't be on your phone, but you can pray in tongues. I'm sure that's not in the DVLA rule book, but anyway. And sixthly, tongues seems to be a catalyst gift. That would be my observation. It triggers the flow of the supernatural. I think when we're praying for people, that can happen. We can think of great things to pray for this person, but actually, if we're praying in the Spirit, in tongues, oh, no, it's this thing. Something different. Oh, ah, no, I've got some faith for one of the things that I was thinking about. Oh, God wants to speak. There's a flow of the supernatural. It happens in our worship time. I think it's typical that tongue interpretation like this morning comes earlier. It doesn't have to. But I just observe that maybe it does sometimes. And then there's an opening up of other spiritual things. And maybe it does in our own life as well. So some application points. Firstly, we could prayer. Uh, take away your booklet. It's got some explanation. I'm encouraging you to read through half or a whole chapter of Ephesians each day of the week. Ask the Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Uh, incite me. Inspire me to pray in the Spirit some of these themes from the passage. 
come to the prayer evenings, come on the Saturday prayer room, and I'd encourage you to go on a half-hour prayer stroll at some point in the week, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe around your workplace. You may think, well, I'm too busy. Well, take your half-hour lunch break, which is good for you anyway, increases productivity in the afternoon, and rather than eating your lunch, go and pray around the street. And why not pray in tongues for some of it? In fact, for the whole week, maybe for you, it's about praying in tongues more than you've ever prayed before this week. Why not? I haven't given you many agenda items to pray for this time, so let the Holy Spirit decide. Life groups already been mentioned, but they're here in my notes. I haven't added it on. Um, there are three priorities for our life groups. We're to share lives together, we're to engage truth, and we're to pray together. I would suggest to you that two of those help us fulfill Ephesians chapter 6. So it's a good idea to be part of them. We're to engage truth. You know, on a Sunday, when you hear things like this, what's happening is you're, you're, it's, we're helping you to put on the belt of truth. We're helping you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're helping you to get kind of firm and nimble with the shoes that come with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Yeah? But don't stop there. Yeah? The armor of God has got three more pieces. We go from the general to the spe- specific. We need to know the truth, but we now need to use the truth. We need to apply it into our lives, and life group's the place for that. So when on a Tuesday night, you're opening up Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and everyone goes, Ugh. that's not a groaning in the spirit. That's just, oh, we've just done that. No, no, we've started that. But we now need to hold up specific truths, each of us, in faith, like a shield. We, we, we now need to change our thinking in a specific area, each of us, like putting on a new hat or helmet. No, 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 we need to now take a specific piece of truth that the Holy Spirit has given to each one of us from what we've been looking at and helping one another grapple with, and we need to now apply it into some area of our life. We need to declare it over our life. We need to wield it like a sword. And we're to pray together. We're to pray. We've only given three priorities for life group. There's time in an hour and a half to do th- three things. Four things is a struggle, I know. Three things is possible. And we're to pray together. And what I don't mean by that is, oh, uh, we've got to go in two minutes. So uh, one of you pray for everything we just talked about. And it's about a round-robin prayer, amen, off we go. That's good, God hears, that's okay. But I think we can be called to more than that. This is praying together in the Spirit. We need to give time to it. We need to be engaging with the Holy Spirit in these moments. So what do we do in our group? Ten past nine, we stop the discussion, stop the talking. And we stand up, quarter past nine at the latest, because we finish at half nine. And some people have got work tomorrow morning and jobs to do, etc. And, and, and we just start praising God together. And you say, why do you stand up, Tim? That sounds like praying in the law, praying by right, rote, praying by, you know, uh, pre-described uh, actions. Well, actually, it's just our way of trying to be alert. Look at verse 18. With this in mind, be alert. Posture helps us to be alert. You're getting drowsy now because I've been whittling on for quite a long time. It happens on a Tuesday night as well. Just, let's just be normal about this. Physically changing your position can engage you a bit. And I think spiritually it just raises faith. We're going to meet with God now. The Spirit's going to come and help us as we pray. And then start praising God together. You don't need a guitar. You don't need a musician in your midst. Just praise God. That's where, again, gift of tongues can be so helpful. Oh, I don't know what to start with. What, what, what do I praise God for? Or just pray in tongues. Or pray for something very simple. And then, and then God will guide you. You know, there's one priority that this passage suggests is in the heart of the Spirit. Yeah, pray for everything. 
Pray for all people all the time. But always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. One thing we must focus on is praying for each other. A life group is where we can do that. WhatsApp groups, etc. and on the evening, oh, we need to pray for you tonight. Come on, we're going to pray for you. We're going to lift our voices together. We're going to pray in tongues, those of us who have the gift, and then we're going to see what the Holy Spirit says or what he inspires we should be praying for. And pray also for me, says Paul, as he does at the end of most of his letters. Uh, he's not shy of asking for prayer. And life groups are a moment to say, and pray for me. What I'm going through, my turn. I need some prayer. Can I encourage you to stand right now? Um, the band are going to come back and play a few chords. I really believe that the Lord wants to gift us in this moment right now with the gift of tongues. I believe for some, this may be for the first time. For others, it may be a reignition of a dormant gift. For others of you, you're thinking, oh, I'm in the flow here, I'm okay. No, the Lord says, no, I want to increase your vocabulary. I want to make some of you buy or even try linguistic. Is that the word? Lingual in spirit-inspired languages. So we're going to just stand and praise. We're not going to sing words, not at least that's going to be projected. We're all going to praise God together with whatever comes to mind. Or just pray some simple things. Let everything have breath. Praise the Lord as we're reminded. And I'll encourage you, after I've prayed a general prayer in a minute or two, to keep praising God with your mind. And there'll be all sorts of noise. It'll be like a lawnmower going on around you. It'll be all sorts of noise, lawnmower, background noise. So just pray out. Just praise out of your mouth something in a gift of tongues. You know, when I first received this gift, I was very tentative until I realized it wasn't God who was going to move my jaw, wobble my tongue, and breathe through my vocal cords. That was going to be me. It wasn't even God who was going to give me a word in my mind for me to then pronounce. I have never experienced any of those things, but I have grown in the gift of tongues. So just receive from Jesus, look to him, come with your hunger, come with your faith, and begin. Let's praise Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We lift you up. We love you, Lord. Lord, you've been with us today. You've spoken.